Then my bunny would fall down the steps almost every year. Ever have a heavy set aunt fall down the steps? Make a whole lot of fucking noise. It's scary too, because they be calling Jesus on the way down. And aunts don't like to fall straight down the steps like a kid. They be trying to break the fall and hold it and stop the shit. And that just make the fall take a half hour then. Real loud, yeah, like. Lord Jesus Christ, help me, Lord, please, Jesus, please. Jesus God, help me, Lord, Jesus, help me. I'm falling down the steps, oh Lord Jesus Christ, please. My shoe! Oh Lord Jesus Christ, help me. I'm halfway down now, help me, Lord Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for anti-social commentary. One of your hosts, D. Simon. Get down on your knees and kiss this man's feet. I'm Lance Wackerly. If I was that dude, I'd be dreaming of boobs. We're going to stay here all night if we have to, so let's get started. Uh, can I go when this starts to suck? Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. One of your hosts, D. Simon. I'm the other host, Lance Wackerly. What's up there, Wackerly? How was the uh, Memorial Day weekend? It's pretty good. We had uh, the day off Monday, which we also took the day off from crafting. Well, dude, I mean, I was thinking about crafting yesterday, but I didn't get back from Vegas till about 6 at night, and I was really in no condition for pod crafting. Yeah, I, d- I talked to you on the phone, and that's uh, the impression I got by the sound of your raspy hungover voice yeah i was only in condition to lay down on my bed and watch uh trailer park boys (laughs) i wasn't doing too bad uh from the drinking so wait did you do three days in a row of drinkings being that we had a four-day weekend yeah obviously that's what i do three-day weekend that's what i do but i did see uh my third old lady of the year now not the calendar year but going back to last may I saw my third old lady of the year fall down an escalator backwards. Dude, you should buy a lottery ticket or something. <laughs> That's like a good, isn't that a good luck charm when you see three? No, I think that means my luck's run out. Oh, okay. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm struck, though, by this because... Did if, you help her? No, I was on the other side of the Bart turnstile. Laughing? This was in, this was in the Bart. <laughs> no, I did, <laughs> I did crane my neck out over the like little gate because I wanted to get a good view. But uh, it struck me, if you fell down an escalator, you know, you'd be surprised. And you'd be like, oh, fuck, ouch. And, and you'd that, come rushing to my aid, right? No, I would, <laughs> but I'm just saying you, you'd pop, you'd try and like pop right back up. You'd be like, oh, no, nothing happened. You'd look around embarrassed. As, like, and quickly walk away to right. avoid any further embarrassment. <laughs> but all three old ladies I've seen, they do something really funny. I don't know if they just do this for other circumstances, but especially, especially when they fall down an escalator, they scream like the escalators <laughs> like physically attacking them. Like, like for, like, like I just said for you and me be like, Oh shit. 
But for them, it's like, oh my god, ah! Oh! <laughs> and they scream for like five minutes while they're falling down the stairs they stop themselves well maybe that's the problem because the escalator keeps lifting them up and they have another two feet to fall and they can't get back up but uh it just struck after the third time seeing it they all did that same thing they keep screaming for did you, did you ever listen to that eddie murphy what was it comedian record i think it was the record comedian where he's talking about his aunt refresh uh, my memory he's talking about his aunt falling down the stairs at the barbecue she kept stopping like midway and like, oh Jesus, oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's kind of the same tore thing. Tore up the suitcase, she weighed like 300 pounds. <laughs> right. But I mean, tore up the staircase, you know, how that happens. But I wonder if it's a similar situation because like old people are trying to break their fall, but they're too frail. Yeah, their hip then, is breaking their fall. <laughs> <laughs> did she bowl anyone over? There was some other guy, another old man, but he seemed to like regain his balance a little quicker. So that happened, and then I got a surprise call from, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I got a surprise call from Martin and Steele from From the Ville. When? Yesterday? Yeah, like they were live on the air, and they just called me without any warning um, to talk about, I guess my name is now in the From the Ville glossary, and the, the definition is when you just take off and don't say goodbye to somebody, as as I did at the PodCraft convention. So, but, I mean, in what context? seemed very hurt about that. In what context? Like, pull a Wackerly? Yeah, that, I asked them about that to use it in a sentence, and they had various forms and, and declensions and all I was that Wacker stuff. lead? Yeah, I think they told me that all that, all that works. Yeah, but, you know, it, it, that hardly surprises me. I imagine a lot of people that they meet just kind of skip away unnoticed <laughs> without giving off. a goodbye you know, yeah. don't exchange any contact information because you don't want to contact them ever again right yeah and if anybody listens to it it was like the worst phone connection i've ever had with anybody and then and they but they assumed that i think that i pulled a wackily again and just stopped talking <laughs> and hung up but no their connection was so bad I, I kept talking and they couldn't hear what i was saying i could barely hear what they were saying <laughs> That's a yeah. classy production over there. I imagine a lot of people probably pull a wackerly on those two. Well, they, it might just enough, be me. Enough that they had to make a, a word for it and put it in their glossary. <laughs> so that's what happened to me. What did you, what did you, you went to Vegas over? Yeah, well, weekend? I was in Vegas for uh, it's one of my sister's best friends. It was her thirtieth birthday party, and so we went to Vegas and hung out. And you know, dude, this is the last time I will ever go to Vegas on a holiday weekend. I mean, it was packed with people. There were so many people there that it was difficult to even walk down the strip. Yeah, you got to stretch your you know your day off dollar from work. So that's why everybody goes there. On and, and not weekend. to mention, three days is a little too much in Vegas. Two days is perfect three too much right just overkill you know by the third day you're so hungover you're like you know i just want to go home i'm sick of hearing the bing 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 noise like the slot machine noises <laughs> i'm i'm sick of all these fat midwestern tourists i'm sick of like you, you know you, you not, not only the midwestern tourists there's a ton of foreigners foreigners walking around in a state of complete confusion like yeah, well, asking you directions. You're like, you know what? I don't know either. Okay. At least I speak the language. So I guess I can kind of figure it out. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's just like the place is just chaotic and it's, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a little too much. So did you Overexposure. do anything? Did you do anything out of the ordinary or was it just your you know, typical drinking and gambling experience? Well, usually when I go to Vegas, I go with like my friends or a bachelor party or something on like the highlight of the trip is maybe seeing some dirty, you know, slag dancing at some strip club right but this time around we actually went to real shows like an actual vegas show celine dion 
No, uh, Bette Midler. No, actually, I'm joking. I'm joking. But the only reason we went to a show is because uh, the girl's parents, who were there as well, bought the tickets. So oh, since right. you bought tickets for everybody, it's, you can't really decline. So on a Friday night, we went and saw your favorite band, Air Supply. Really? Yeah. <laughs> now, was that your idea? or? Well, no, they, they were playing at the Orleans Casino. And as as <clears throat> I think I might have even discussed this on the show... I actually saw them at the very same casino four years ago with my friend Kessler. Uh, it was me, uh, Kessler, and that guy uh, Mausner is a good friend of ours as well. We all went and saw Air Supply high on mushrooms, kicked out within 10 minutes. I mean, seriously, we, could, we were screaming like our heads off. It's all like middle-aged housewives. So how authentic is the Orleans Casino? Is it all like flooded and flood damaged? <laughs> <laughs> there was no Hurricane Katrina oh, in the Orleans Casino. It's more casino. of an idealized New Orleans than an actual. Well, it's one of those casinos, though, that's like a $15 cab ride from the Strip. So it's oh, not even near okay. the Strip. So right. Air Supply wasn't Second playing tier. Bellagio. Air Supply's playing like a third-tier sh- casino that's like yeah a good like 15 dollar cab ride a couple miles off the strip okay and uh you know what to be honest they put on a damn good show were there any panties thrown up on stage there were some huge bras like bras that must have been on like a 400 pound midwestern lady what is the most famous of air supply songs can you refresh my memory like you don't know if you said it, if you sang one lost in love and i don't know why or something that's not it uh all, uh, I'm all out of love. That's the one, right? I'm so lost without you. Yeah, okay. I, almost every song has to do with love. They're soft rock gods. Yeah. The Air Supply guys. But you know what? My hat's off to them for soldiering on. It's amazing to me that they still can play a show anywhere. But you know what's interesting is the audience, it, it, you know, in contrast to like before when I saw them, when we were kicked out, it was almost all like middle-aged housewives a few years ago, like four or five years ago. This time around, it was like 90% Asian. So I think they built up a huge Asian following. And they even said, like, we're going to be touring for eight weeks in Southeast Asia. And, like, half the crowd erupted into cheer. So <laughs> and, I, and flash bulbs. <laughs> yeah, dude, I think, no, I mean, there were so many, so many cameras. There were Asian people videotaping the entire concert. Yeah, to watch later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, but you know, it was, it was an entertaining show. It was kind of funny. And plus, they even had, like, a Q&A session where one of the girls that was in our crew was like, will you have sex with me? And they were just kind of like, who, me or him? Because there's two guys. <laughs> but, you know, they really got into it, and uh, even though their music is awful... They put on it, a good show? Is they put saying? on a damn good show. But, yeah, so, I mean, we didn't have to pay for it, so it was great to see it. And this time, I wasn't, like, high on mushrooms, so I didn't end up getting kicked out. Uh-huh. I, didn't, I didn't get naked. I didn't run around the crowd didn't and get throw tackled by security guards. Yeah, no, it didn't happen this time. I wasn't throwing my jock strap up on stage. <laughs> but the second night, we saw a show that... I really was quite skeptical of it first. It was like, have you ever seen a hypnotist? Like one of those Las Vegas-style hypnotist shows. Yeah, a long time ago. It wasn't in Las Vegas, though. It was in central Massachusetts at was, some college venue. Was that like a comedy club or something? No, it was like in a student union at uh, University of Massachusetts. So, but was it a like a comedic hypnotherapist show, or was it like a... Because like, what we saw in Vegas was obviously a comedy show. I was pretty true. It was a raunchy hypnotist. <laughs> it was funny, but anything would have been funny at that point. Well, this one was like, you know, the type of show where... You know, they take audience volunteers, volunteers from the audience to come up on stage. There's about 15 people. And yeah, they and it was raunchy. So they got them to like, you know, feign orgasms, to have sex with chairs. Okay, my experience definitely wasn't like that. You know, it was it was it was really I was 
I was incredulous the whole time, and I, and I really thought, you know, this show is just going to suck. But it was hilarious. It was now, really are, funny. Are all the pe- so people get up on stage, purportedly just random people like you or me, and and they, I mean, did, did you think they were just planted there, like they were part of the show? Well, no, I would have thought that they were shills. But the fact of the matter, so the, the guy's name is Anthony Cools, and the show he does is at the Paris Casino. It's the casino of the Eiffel Tower. That's actually on the Strip. Yeah, it's on the Strip. And it's a, I mean, it's a pretty big-name show. It's like 50 bucks a ticket. And so eight of us went to go see it. And so he asks, they, he comes out, and he's like, you know, I'm a hypnotherapist. This is my show. The show is fully dependent on audience participation. So I need 15 volunteers up on this stage. And how many people are in the audience to begin with? I would say estimate. at least like 150, maybe 200 people. Okay. And not so, too big, not too small. Not, not, yeah, not, I mean, not a huge crowd, but I mean, you, anywhere you sat in the venue, you'd 15 have a good is like, you know, a good 7.5% of the audience at that point. Yeah. And so, um, so, you know, at first, like maybe five people went up on stage. And I was trying to, like, people were trying to get me to go up there. And I was like, you know, it's not going to work on me because I'm a skeptical jackass. And it's just, I'm just going to be, right. you know, resistant to any kind of mind suggestion because be I don't there believe going, in it. <laughs> yeah, and laughing. Laughing like Ernie. Exactly. Which and is so, how you laugh, by the way. So I was trying to get Jer to go up because my sister's boyfriend, Big Jer, who's been on oh, the show so Big before. Big Jer and your sister were both there, too. Yeah, so Big Jer, who's my sister, uh, is my friend Sarah's her 30th birthday. And uh, her parents and her husband were there. And so, yeah, it was like there were about, I don't know, what, six of us, eight of us. And uh, my girlfriend was there as well. And so she wouldn't go on stage, even though she was tempted to. She almost, like, we almost persuaded her to do it. Uh-huh. My girlfriend was like, nah, I'm not doing it. But Jer, <laughs> being the sport that he is, was like, all right, you know what? I'll go do it. He's up for new experiences all the time, that big Jer. It works so well on Jer. I mean, dude, Jer was put into a complete hypnotic state. And was willing to do anything this guy told him to do. I mean, this guy, and so we bought a DVD, so we actually have proof of it. I almost want to, I should take a clip out of it and put it on the website. Yeah, you have to get Jared's <laughs> approval of that first. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be willing to do that. But no, so what happened is he has... Maybe you fi- could pixelate his face like so they do on Cops. He ended up getting 15 volunteers to come up on stage. I think it was like five dudes and like 10 girls. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, ranging in ages from like... 50 to, I think, 18. Yeah. So, I mean, but yeah. Adults I mean, only show. I probably wasn't younger than 18. Well, yeah, because it was like a raunchy <laughs> show. And so what he did, and it was hilarious. I mean, he did everything from like, so at first he did this like five-minute like induction like process where he actually hypnotized the Now people. they're sitting on chairs at this point, listening to the sound of his voice. Exactly. Thinking of the ocean. <laughs> and he even had some kind of new age music playing in the background. Uh-huh. He shut the lights off, made everyone close their eyes, right. and breathe deeply. Now if you open breathe your eyes, do you immediately deeply. get uh, kicked off the stage? Well, no, he's watching everybody to see yeah. how susceptible everyone would be to, okay. you know, to hypnotism. Right. So he weeds out the people who are, it isn't going to work on. Yeah, from the get-go, like right before. I mean, it was like an eight-minute induction process and a procedure. And so, like, he right after it was done, he went up to, like, five dudes. was like, out, you're out, you're out, you're So out. at that point, there's just ten people left. There's around, like, ten, maybe twelve people okay. that were still up on stage. And those people were the people that, quote-unquote, hypnotized. And so what he would do is he'd walk over and be like, you go to sleep. Just like a faith healer, like run his hand right across their head and they would just be out. I mean, Jer, this is my, my sister's boyfriend, a guy you know, you know like really well, right. was just like out. Like he was lying 
in a deep sleep on top of the girl next to him. Now, did he have, like, ether on his fingertips or something? <laughs> He's just passing it under their nose? No? I, yeah, I was fully, I mean... Just purely I, homeopathic hypnotism. I was completely astonished. I mean, it was, like, organic hypnotism. He did right. nothing. I mean, there are no chemicals no, involved. Yeah. He didn't, you know, he didn't bribe the people to act in a certain fashion. <laughs> and so throughout the show, it's going to be difficult. I'm not going to describe every act that he did. But he, for example, he convinced one girl, this like blonde yuppie chick, that her vagina was telling personal humiliating stories to her every time she heard her name. <laughs> so he would walk around the crowd and he'd, you know, he would say, so... Heather over there in the sweater told me, and so you'd look at the girl's face, and she would look down in between her legs, immediately close her legs, and turn bright red, <laughs> as if her vagina was saying something. And then he would go up to her and be like, could you shut that thing up, please? Yeah, I know. Because uh, you're ruining my show. <laughs> and there's another dude he went up to and was like, so do you like country music? And the guy said, yeah, that like country music. He's like, okay, well, every time you hear this next song, your anus is going to burn so Badly, that the only way for you to assuage the pain is to rub your ass on stage, scoot around like a dog on wet grass. Yeah, okay. And so he pants puts on, on though, right? Yeah, pants on. <laughs> so he puts on Ring of Fire, and next thing you know, like the dude's like, he can't even help himself. He's scooting around like a dog, <laughs> you know, grabbing his asshole. And uh, he was upset about it too. The guy's like, would you shut the song off? Shut the fucking song off. And he can't help it. I mean, he was powerless to stop it. This isn't the type of thing you'd want a potential employer to ever get his hands on the tape. No, it's a, I, w I wouldn't even put it up on MySpace. It's that embarrassing. <laughs> and this is like blackmail material. But the best part about it is so he did the uh, whole, you know, have sex with a chair thing. And so he brought out two chairs and he would bring the people up there and he'd say, you know, have sex with a chair like you would have sex with a person. And it was hilarious. I mean, Jer's sitting there. He's got the chair doggy style, you know, yeah. like getting into it. I mean, he was serious. <laughs> now, is this just a normal everyday chair or is this some type of a sexy chair? No, it's just a normal chair. He's like picking it up in the air, doing sixty nine with a chair, and then and you know, correct me up. There's the best girls. This uh, this one um, African American girl got up there, and she's really, I mean, she's really attractive. She gets up on stage and she starts like having sex with this chair, and every dude in the audience mouth just drops open, just staring at her like, oh my god. She freaked the chair, dude. That girl knew what she was doing. I mean, I, I seriously <laughs> wasn't I was, the first chair she never fucked. I was popping wood just watching her. I mean, she was that good. And I mean, everyone, like, my girlfriend's like, wow, that girl knows what she's doing. No, I'm going to have to like, see the damn tape right. now. <laughs> but it was funny watching, like, you know, some of the 60-year-old ladies, like, getting up, you know, just having sex with the chairs. <laughs> this is how we did it back in the 20s, boys. <laughs> I'm an OG <laughs> with the chair sex. But the, the fact of the matter is the people were just like, you know, they were unable to stop themselves. So uh, how long were these people under hypnosis? Like in the trance, yeah. so to speak. Well, what was weird about it is they knew what was going on. Like he had one girl up on stage, and he told her, he's like, the number two does not exist anymore. The number two is no longer a number. There is no number two. And so then he like asked her, so how many tits do you have? And she's like, three. And he's like, three. She's like, yeah, one, three. <laughs> and she was getting all like upset about it, like she was, you know, perturbed that he yeah. was asking such an inane question. Yeah, well, he should like, have well, really asked her to do, do some have? more higher level math, long division without the two. I well, would have no, been impressed. But he was asking her like, how many fingers do you have? Right. And she'd be like, you know, one, three, four, five, six. I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was, yeah. And she was saying like eleven. <laughs> I mean, she was like counting off her fingers, but she just was skipping the number two. Hmm. 
I mean, she okay. had no idea that it was even, you know, that she that the the, the number even existed. Yeah. And at the very end, he like snapped everybody out of the trance. He made them have like this orgasm and on stage, like holding onto his hand. Hmm. <clears throat> it was, that, it, you sure it was his hand? <laughs> yeah, like he like I mean, yeah, he, had, he he even turned around at one point, told everyone that uh, he had as soon as he turned around, they would see the largest conch that they've ever seen. And he's like, the guys are going to stand up and shake my hand because they've never seen a dick that big. And so, yeah, all the dudes got up, shook his hand like, wow, dude, impressive. And all the girls were sitting there like with their eyes like wide open like, wow. I mean, they really <laughs> believed that this man had like a 14-inch Yet dick. Yet his pants were on. It's not like he even had his no. small penis out. No, he didn't even. I mean, he was, he was fully clothed. So it's interesting to me like, you know, how this even works. Like, I, I, I mean, I was striving to figure out like – how this was a sham like how you know this this just seemed like the guy was a charlatan that this was some kind of ploy some kind of trick well you have the benefit of you can ask jer this question and so yeah in a second i want to call jer up and uh i you know i talked to him earlier today he said he's gonna be around so i was gonna give him a call and find out why this worked on him because i i just don't think it would work on someone like me or you for that matter. Right, but the I fact, mean, you're a cynical fa- prick. There's the no f- way it's going to work on <laughs> the you. The fact that it worked on him means I don't think he's going to know the answer to that question, but I would like to ask him what it, you know, what the experience was like. Well, the guy said that it would work it would not work on three types of people. People who were going to be critical jackasses and didn't want it to work on them. Right. People who were severely intoxicated and uh people okay, who were high he's like and people who were high if you're really high you're not going to be able to concentrate <laughs> or focus enough to even be put into a hypnotic state and so i mean what hypnotism i guess the trans states characterized by i, I looked this up extreme suggestibility relaxation and heightened imagination it's not really like sleep because the subject's alert the whole time right so they're, they're not sleeping it's i guess it could be uh, like in a state of daydream. Yeah. More and the or other less. the other point that that this brings out to me is it's not like you can use hypnotism as a weapon against people. It's not like you can like hypnotize no, somebody against you... their will and then take their wallet because the whole the whole point is they have to be a willing participant. But if they're willing to be hypnotized, I bet you this guy actually does this. He probably you know the girl's like oh yeah try to hypnotize me. He puts them in a hypnotic state and it's like convinces them. You're gonna have anal sex with me, right? And then they're powerless to resist. <laughs> yeah, or you know this guy uses it for his own aims. Yeah, I mean that's your that's your dark side of the force uh, <laughs> prediction. But or you could hypnotize some, you know, like Paris Hilton, and be like, I don't want to be a huge slut anymore. And he could hypnotize her and be like, All right, stop fucking showing your vagina around town and stop fucking everything that moves. Well, there's practical. Um, you know, practical aspects <laughs> the, of the good of side hypnotism. of the force. Oh, the hypnotherapy, and this guy, I guess is a hypnotherapist as well as a Las Vegas entertainer. So there's practical applications of hypnotism, such as uh, quitting smoking, overeating. Yeah. Seems and like he a was growth selling industry. these DVDs as well, yeah. But, I mean, this is obviously you know, a humorous show. But it was interesting to me that it works so well on these people. So, you know what? Let's give Jared a call and find out why this worked on him. Okay. Because, dude, he was kind of embarrassed, but he said he remembered doing everything. You know, everything that, uh, you know, actually happened in the show. So uh, let's give him a call right here. Hello? Jer. Hey. Hey, how's it going, man? Not too bad. Are you hungover from the Vegas experience? Uh, I think I'm recovered now. Uh, Monday was still a little rough. Oh, dude, Monday was so rough. I was, I, you know, I still felt drunk yesterday. 
I really did. I mean, we went out Saturday night till like five thirty, six in the morning. I blacked out. I didn't even remember getting back home. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was a good time. I didn't even ask what casino were you guys staying at. Uh, Bally's. Oh, Bally's. That's a nice one. Yeah, what'd you think of the Bally's casino there, Jer? I think it was definitely better than uh, Paris. Paris was quite a uh, kid friendly. Yeah, Paris was not. Uh, there's a lot of casinos in Vegas that are just kid friendly. And just kind of annoying. Yeah, you want you want to stay at the casino that has no family fun attractions. It's just all gambling and booze. And lets you smoke anywhere. Because some casinos, they have like zoned areas where you're not allowed to smoke in. Fuck that. Yeah. So Bally's is one of those casinos. It's old school. You can smoke everywhere. And there's really not that many kids. So it actually wasn't. It wasn't even that expensive either. So it wasn't too bad. So, Jer, we're talking about the uh, hypnotist show that we went and checked out on a Saturday night. And uh, we were talking earlier, saying, explaining, you know, how the show worked and that uh, you were put in a hypnotic state. And so we want to ask you some questions about it. Yeah, go ahead. Shoot. Okay. So, Jer, how did it work initially? How did you know that you were hypnotized? Um, I mean, did you know that you were in a trance? You know, after he went through the, the beginning stages of it, you didn't really think you were, and then he came by and uh, grabbed your arm and like shook your hand with a with a firm shake, and you're just out. All of a sudden, you just kind of passed out to the side, but you could still hear everything, but your eyes were closed. But you couldn't just like get up, and I mean, you're you're unable to resist it. Like you had to do it. Yeah, I, I even kind of almost like at one point I was like, oh, I'm gonna open my eyes, and then your eyes just don't open. But but going up there, you're completely willing for this to happen. You're like, this is cool. I'm down with this. I want to see what it's like. And you're not resisting at all? Is that sort of the mindset before I, it happens? No, I don't claim to be any kind of an expert. Um, but but Lance- I, I do think that that had a lot to do with it because there were other people that came up that got pulled off. Yeah, I mean, right in the beginning, there were like five people that were pulled off. So Lance was saying, did the guy say anything to you beforehand, like work with me or play along with me? Oh, no, no, no. There's no uh, kind of... There's no coercion. He, There's no offer of $500. Yeah, he didn't try tokens. to bribe you? No, nothing like that. So, okay, when when you saw the guy, you know, who was listening to the Johnny Cash song, scooting around on stage, thinking his asshole's on fire, were you like, oh, my God, I can't believe that guy's doing that? Or were you like, I'm glad that's not me? I think I was more glad I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm glad that's not me. Uh, <laughs> but you got to be wondering what's going to come up next for you when it come, becomes your turn. I was definitely waiting like, oh, fuck, what is he going to have me do? So but, uh, I think I kind of avoided most, most things that uh, singled me out. You avoided most of the embarrassing things. But like, okay, for example, we were talking about how he turned around and he said, as soon as you look at me, my, I'm going to be naked from the waist down and I'm going to have the largest cock you've ever seen. Did you think, I mean, did you see like a, a 14 inch dick? Like I didn't see a dick, but I talked to other people after the show and they saw the dick. So I don't think I was actually under as much as they were of a hypnosis. Okay, so you probably weren't as under to the degree that they were. Yeah, because other people said, yeah, I saw a huge dick. <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny because he was walking behind everybody, like putting the microphone on their shoulders, and people thought it was his dick. <laughs> I mean, did, didn't he do that to you? Yeah, but that's the strange thing. Like, I felt like he was naked, and I felt like, especially when he was behind me and I couldn't see him, it felt like he was putting his dick on me in it. 
<laughs> that was a bad experience? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> so what about when he was like, okay, you're a Chippendales dancer, and as soon as I you know, snap my fingers, you're going to stand up and strip down to your underwear and dance on the stage. Well, even when, when he said that, you know, you're, you're totally awake and, like, listening to him. And um, he says that, and, uh, you know, in my head I'm like, fuck that, there's no way I'm doing that. And then, like, the music starts and he snaps his fingers and you're just fucking up. You, so you felt your body, like, physically just stand up and do it even though your mind didn't want to? It's up and there you go. So what about when he was like, I'm going to snap my fingers, you're going to freeze in that position? I mean, you just stopped? Yeah, I think all, like, everything that he did, like, it was that way. Um, You know, it was hilarious. There was one guy. So at the point, we were talking earlier about how uh, he made everybody have sex with a chair. I mean, did you know you were having sex with a chair, or did you think you were having sex with a woman? No, you you think it's it's like a woman, and you're you're just going. (laughs) (laughs) He he made it sound like the uh, scenario was you're a porn star and you're auditioning for porno. So has Stephanie given you any shit that you were so readily available to have sex with this chair and cheat on her with a chair? Uh, I think she kind of got turned on by it all. <laughs> yeah, she liked the way you really you sexed up the chair. Her move. Well, I think she was just grateful that you weren't the guy that was sucking the chair's dick. Yeah. T- there was there was a dude that was sitting in front of us with his friend and his wife. And I, I guess this guy, like, as soon as he said, okay, you're in a porno and do your best sex moves, dude gets down on his knees and starts sucking the chair's dick. No hesitation. No hesitation. He's just on there. And, like, everyone's kind of looking at him dying. And, I, I, you know, obviously the guy must not had, you know, must have been powerless to resist it. I mean, later on the show, though, I think the, the dude explained that he told him that he had to, you know, give the chair a blowjob. Didn't he say that? Yeah, he said, uh, by the way, you're gay, too, I think he, he mentioned. But. <laughs> yeah, he said he slipped by and said that. Because you should have seen the look on this guy's wife's face. She was just sitting there mortified. It was hilarious. But I know, you must have been thankful that you weren't that dude. So what about I, at the end? when he, all this other stuff was going on, I was laughing my ass off. Because I, I was, you know, cognizant of what was going on. And uh, it, like, like Lance said, uh, uh did not want to be any one of those people. So you're just thankful yeah, that you weren't the people that were really being ridiculed. So it's not like you're you're not in some like comatose state. You're just completely under his power of suggestion. Like you see everything is going on, but you can't say no to what he tells you to do. Because he's activating your subconscious is what it is. You're not consciously rendering his suggestions or his orders. Yeah. That sounds like what's happening. But it just, it, it amazes me that it could happen like that. And I mean, he was saying that, I mean, he wasn't saying that more people are susceptible to it or not. He's saying everyone is. You have to let yourself, you have to be a willing participant. Right. So, Jer, are you going to use this for like the power of good? Or are you going to try and like get this guy to help you stop smoking or, you know, lose weight? <laughs> Why would I want to do any of those things? <laughs> Longevity, maybe? Maybe, know. maybe you get it to like, Make it make it so that you can drink a little bit more, yeah. Like without getting wasted, be like I can handle a fifth now. Yeah, yeah that's exactly drinking discipline. So what about at the end of the show when he was like, as soon as I let go of your hand, you're gonna forget it, or you're gonna remember what happened, but all power of suggestion is gone. How did it end? Like did, as soon as you walked off that stage, were you like, wow, what just happened, or did you remember everything? Well, even when he said, you know, once. Once this happens, then you're going to remember everything. I was thinking, well, I kind of remember everything already. But um, 
Huh. I, but it was kind of like, I remember everything, but I didn't feel like embarrassed or like I did anything wrong. And then once he shook your hand and let go, that's when the kind of embarrassing, embarrassment hit. And so you weren't embarrassed the whole time you were on stage? No, not at all. Wow. It's just, it was like something that was totally normal. Huh. So, I mean, so all in all, did you have fun doing it? Yeah, I thought it was a good, you know, it was a good experience. I, I would, uh, if I win again, I think I'd rather be out in the audience. <laughs> rather than a volunteer? Yeah. But- I got I got to ask something, though, if we're going to wh- wrap this up. Jer, were you in Las Vegas illegally? <laughs> uh, no, no, not, not, not this time. You're all, cle- you're all clear to be in Vegas now and not get arrested? Yeah, no, you're not, you don't have sex. Yeah, once again in Vegas, I am uh, almost naked again. So you don't have sex offender status over there? I don't have sex offender status anywhere. <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a good thing. All right. Well, thanks, Jer, for uh, enlightening us and explaining it a bit to us, even though I'm still rather confused. <laughs> I think we're all confused on it. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. All right, dude. We'll talk to you later. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. So, dude, I mean, you know what? At first, I was really skeptical before we saw the show. I thought it was going to... I didn't think it was going to suck. I just thought it was just going to be like, you know, I'm not going to buy this. Um, too, you know, but you, I, did you I, think that one of your group was going to go up? Or did you just think you're going to laugh at strangers? I knew peer pressure was strong. The power of peer pressure is strong enough within me that I could make somebody go up. <laughs> and so we knew it was going to be funnier if that happened. But um, yeah, you know, I was skeptical about the whole show because I was like, you know, I don't think this really works. But after seeing it firsthand... I'm a believer. <laughs> so I recommend this show to people. Go check out Anthony Cools. And in fact, I might try to get an interview with him on Sick and Wrong just to find out you know, exactly how he does his little shtick. It doesn't hurt to ask. No, I bet you, he, I, you know, I bet you he'd probably talk about it. He seemed like a cool guy. Really funny. But it's at the Paris. I think he does a show every night. So if you're in Vegas, go check out Anthony Cools at the Paris. Hypnotist show. Very entertaining. Well, people, this is episode 124 here of Sick and Wrong. Before we get going with the stories, I'm going to do a quick recap of last week's show. So in episode 123, uh, Wackerly, you did a story about some a Thai ladyboy gang beating up an old lady. A listener sent in a story about a suicide by a wood chipper, and I did a story about a Colorado boy who skinned his dad and fed him to the coyotes. That was after being uh, almost made his dad's wife. And I didn't actually see the picture of that dude until after you told me the story, and he looks like a chick. <laughs> to he begin does, with, yeah, I know. He looks so like he, a woman. You almost to subtract a point. He's for got that. like a purdy mouth and a soft profile and face and a small, tiny, slender neck. Like a woman. <laughs> but he did cut up his dad, so fine. Keeping that uh, streak going, I came in with 94 votes. Uh, Wackerly, uh, you came in third with 52, and the listener came in second with 64. Yeah. So, my, uh, my yeah, I'm on a winning is, my streak, streak is dude. Cold. I wish this luck would have... You have, have a, a hot streak, I have a cold I streak. I wish this hot streak would have carried on in Vegas, because I lost my ass. But, uh, yeah, so um, I'm enjoying the MGD here this week. People, you know the way the show works. Wackerly and I comb the internet for the most disturbing news items of the week, present them here on the show. Audience votes, winner gets a case of beer. We throw in a wild card with a listener submission. I think you started last week, so uh, let me kick off episode 124. Kick it. Parents face new charges in deadly child neglect case. 
You know, it's been a while since I played the child abuse card. Yeah, we banned that card for a while, but then we just said, fuck it. There's no, a moratorium. No There's a moratorium. Zero, no but band. I think it was There's, lifted a few weeks nothing ago. Nothing is banned anymore. Yeah, so I, you know, now you can do feces stories. Now you can do child abuse stories. You can do puppy in a blender story. But this, you know, you'll read child abuse stories, and you'll hear about kids getting safety pins shoved through their eyelids and, you know, <laughs> maggots thrown in their mouth or whatever, you know, <laughs> bar, you know, chili peppers shoved in their vaginas. But they live through the experience. This was a deadly child abuse case. I'm not trying to sway the audience here, but listen up. It's, it's, it's definitely a uh, hideous story. Heinous. This happened in Norfolk, Virginia. Police arrested Heaven Smith and Corey Bryant in April after their 10-month-old daughter, Miracle, uh, she died from malnutrition. Her Heaven. Twin, her the twin w- sister, Heaven, was released from the hospital May 9th. The mom's name is Heaven and the daughter's name. So the mom's name is Heaven Smith. The daughter that lived is named Heaven, but her sister, twin sister, Miracle, the other daughter, died. I just love these names, Heaven and Miracle. Yeah, is the one that died's middle name Whip? <laughs> <laughs> Miracle Whip. Uh, you know what? I don't think they were Jewish. Jews yeah. never have sense of humor with their name, other than unless you find their actual names humorous. Shmooley? That's not a humorous <laughs> name. Hyman. <laughs> Dude, no. I mean, Jews name their kids like that in all seriousness. They're earnest yeah. when they name their kids. No like, irony whatsoever. Yeah, they're like, I'm going to name you after your great uncle Hyman. Shlomo. Shlomo. That, that's a straightforward name. Shlomo is the nickname for Solomon. <laughs> Solomon was a biblical name. Okay. All right. In addition to the original charges, both parents are now facing second-degree murder and two counts of child neglect. Heaven Smith, the mother, is also facing first-degree murder and one count of aggravated malicious wounding. That just sounds does that just sound hideous? Yeah, that sounds like she stabbed the baby with a toothpick. I think it was just from the neglect here. Yeah. So on April 8th, uh, police responded to their home in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. Baby Miracles rushed to the, the DePaul Hospital in Norfolk but died two hours later. Uh, The detective here described the conditions inside the home when officers arrived. He said the thermostat was below 55 degrees. It's kind of cold in there. There are 172 soiled diapers piled up next to the crib. Yeah. And uh, partially eaten baby food jars with mold in it. He said in the refrigerator there's plenty of, quote-unquote, adult food. (laughs) So you know what's interesting to me is, did the cops have to count all the soiled diapers? Is that evidence? Yeah, the evidence, man. I don't, I don't think it's the cops, like the beat cops or even the detectives. I think there's a special evidence man who comes and counts that sort of stuff, individually bags each one. Does he have to tag writes down each the f- soiled diaper? <laughs> oh, yeah. Writes down the specific flavor of each half-open baby food can. God, there's a thankless job. But, what- but if you're like, uh, you know, if you have OCD, it's probably the best thing ever. You know, maybe the, maybe the house, the rest of the house didn't smell that bad. Could you imagine 172 soiled diapers, what that would smell like? Yeah, but they uh, kept the house at 50 degrees, so you're, you're, you're golden. Dude, 50 degrees, it would still reek of, like, baby feces. <laughs> Not as bad as if it was, like, 80, though. You gotta admit. Yeah. And then, it was the um, same. And when the evidence man got there, he was like, thank God for small favors. <laughs> He's also a Jewish man, the evidence man. The assistant chief medical examiner here said Miracle's cause of death was medical and nutritional neglect. Uh, she described Miracle's skin as hanging and wrinkled from severe dehydration. Her body covered in a rash and insect bites all over her face. Uh, the baby had no abdominal, abdominal fat, but her belly was distended because it was filled with hardened feces. 
She said her tongue was covered in dots of blood, perhaps from sucking on her own palate in the absence of food. I was going to say, maybe she should have eaten some of those bugs that were flying around her face. <laughs> so, you know, this brings up an interesting point. We've all seen those commercials with Sally Struthers when she's talking about the Ethiopian kids and donating money. Yeah, and... we've all seen that. So you look at those kids, you're like, why are those kids so hungry when their stomachs are like totally huge? They look like, you know, Midwestern obese children. You know, walking around with these big guts, except they're not wearing any clothes. Right. But, I mean, you and the gut there, is really kind of a different shape than a fat kid. Dude, they got a big, round gut. Why yeah, do they have a like big, round gut? It hangs down like a pendulum. It's not like a chubby gut. It's like well, a pendulous gut. You know, I've always wondered why their stomach was distended like that. Because, you know, when I get hungry, you know, I lose weight. I, my stomach doesn't blow it out like that. It must be from the hardened feces. <laughs> It's inside. You know that? I believe that your socio-medical analysis is lacking in facts. <laughs> Dude, the hardened feces that was in this little girl's belly made her stomach blow up like a balloon. Right, I mean, but I think, was... I think the fat kid phenomenon and the African kid phenomenon are, are, and this phenomenon are three different things. Well, I'm saying the American kids are probably so fat because they're too lazy to go take a shit. They'd rather sit there and play video games. Well, I mean, okay, maybe you're honest. Whereas the African kids are fat is because they're eating like pieces of chewed up bark, and they're you know eating pieces of bark. Too much and, fiber, and rat. Yeah, it's too much fiber, so it hardens the feces, and they're unable Hardened to get it stool, out. Hard stool, not not a soft stool that's easy to pass. Yeah. So you know, I mean, it's difficult. Okay, well, just, just ask my brother. You should write a Wikipedia. <laughs> you should write. Matter. You should write a Wikipedia article about malnutrition with your your newfound theories. So all the college students can quote me. Yeah, I should do that. Right. Uh, Captain Marsala here testified that the mother told him the twins were with a babysitter for the previous three weeks, and that the babysitter was responsible for the child's death. What was the babysitter's name? Purgatory? <laughs> no one could locate the babysitter, the babysitter that uh, the mother actually told them about. Uh, they did an exhaustive search, and the last known babysitter they could locate cared for the children in November of 2007. Mm. So obviously she was lying. Liar. So the worst part about it is her husband this whole time was deployed in Iraq. And so the uh, detective here testified that the husband said he called his home from his deployment every day and his wife told him the babies were losing weight. He said that he told, the, he told his wife to take the babies to a doctor, but she said that she was afraid the babies would be taken away. He thought, well, as soon as I get home from my you know, tour of duty, yeah. I'll take care of the situation. <laughs> well, apparently it was too late. It would have taken more than a miracle to save miracle here. <laughs> You know, I don't know. Then the and the ironic thing is maybe if she got some miracle whip, just like <laughs> funneled down her throat, she'd be fine. Because that shit's loaded with fat and protein. Are you saying that the grease from the miracle whip would have like lubricated her colon so that the it would have helped the on that end? And, would yeah, have been able just to slip and out? the fat and and protein density would have uh, you know nourished her back to health. Well, the mother apparently never showed any emotion during the entire trial until she found out she's being charged with murder. Then she started shaking and crying. Yeah. Like the vindictive whore that she actually is. I think this is a case of uh, the postpartum depression, the postpartum baby blues. <laughs> so why, how could this be post? I thought postpartum depression is like the, the women are like, uh, they, you know, they're in a... They're distressed because there's no longer, they're not carrying the life bun in the oven anymore. Them. There's no life inside of them. It's just death, a barren womb. So what are you saying? That she was depressed, so she's going to let the kid die, and then so she can get another one? Right. No, well, I don't know what the ultimate thinking is, but uh, I think it's just you just lose all will to do anything at all, like feed your babies. I blame this on George Bush. 
Why? Because the Iraq thing? Yeah. she d- He is responsible for her husband being deployed in Iraq. If he was at home, dude, he probably would have brought out the backhand. The pimp hand. The pimp hand. Take the dad kids hand. to the hospital. And Miracle would still be living today. You might be right, but um, at the same time, uh, that's his job as being a Marine, and they would have been even in worse poverty. She wouldn't even have been able to afford the 127 diapers to soil up to leave by the crib. Yeah, it sounds like these kids uh, had it coming anyway. So on the sick and wrong star scale, hardened feces in the stomach killed the child. Its skin was like leathery tissue paper hanging off its face. I'm giving right. it five stars. And this isn't a progeria child that we're sure of that? No, dude. <laughs> I mean, this it's kid, not just one of those like nine months old who, who is really looks like it's 90 years old. Well, according to this description here, they make it sound like it's E.T. <laughs> I mean, it <laughs> I'm does. Sure it you know, like with like e. ashen skin, like yeah. kind of crawling Disgusting. around. Disgusting. Yeah, and, and plus E.T. had that same kind of swollen fat kid stomach. Right, but it ate uh, Reese's Pieces. And that's what impacts your feces. Reese's Reese's feces impacts your feces. (laughs) Reese's feces. That's what it is. So on the sick wrong star scale, I'm giving it five. What do you got? I'm giving it three. Three? Dude, a child died out of neglect. I'm not giving it three because I think it deserves a three. I'm giving it three because you've ranked... You should never be a father. You've ranked your past at least four stories as fives. That's because I'm on a winning streak here. No, it's because you're... You're You're jealous. You're inflating your grades. Okay. So you don't think Give this it a is real a five score. star? Worse stuff could happen. Heaven could have died. The other baby. I guess the... Uh, the fat baby, as they call the one that has a BMI of .002. The mother's <laughs> pimp could have come over and like had sex with the kids. Right. She, she. I mean, I've seen the picture of this woman. She could have eaten the baby. She could have eaten the kid. But I mean, then again, though, that's completely arbitrary. A lot of other things could happen. I'm just sick of you upscoring yourself. Okay, so I'll give I'm it a four it a, star. All right, then I'll give it a four also. All right, we'll see what the Split audience the has to say about that one. What, what do you have for episode 124? I have an article that I have to point out was written by Yolanda Rodriguez. Don't know why I got to point that out, but anyway, she works for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Friends and neighbors of a 63-year-old man named Frank Sposato. It's kind of a... Sounds like a mobster. Yeah, mobster name, but I don't think... I think he's just an old codger who lives in a, a retirement community. He actually lives in Building 400 at the Summerhill Senior Citizens Complex. If if you live in a senior citizen complex and it has 400 buildings, that's a lot of seniors. <laughs> Something's just, bound to go wrong. I just picture this convalescent home with a bunch of deranged individuals. Right. Um, All his, petrified of their impending death. Frank's blood had been washed away from the stairs and breezeway of this building on a still road when Veronica Lightfoot, his neighbor, uh, came up and saw witnessed uh, the carnage. I wonder if Veronica Lightfoot ever fell down an escalator. Uh, she was talking to police and reporters. Well, she's a light foot. So probably but uh, she was talking to police and reporters, and she used her cane to point out where Sposato fell uh, after he ran from his second-floor apartment, his assailant behind him. She says that uh, he gave people rides to the store to get things that they needed. Okay, okay, hold on a second. What kind of accent are you doing here? Because that, that sounded to me like a Native American accent. Well, doesn't Veronica Lightfoot sound like a Native American name? Okay, so you're saying that these are casino Indians, not 
Dothead Indians. I'm thinking casino style. Casino, feather, not Slurpee. Feather. Okay, feather, feather Indians. Feather right. drinking on the res. Um, and and there's other names that that tip me off to this too. Uh, she also says, nobody deserves to be injured for any reason. This is sad. <laughs> I love how the female Native American sounds just like the male Native American. <laughs> I can only do I can't do a Native American and a female accent at the same time. I can only do one or the other. You mean the squaw? The squaw. <laughs> okay. The Pocahontas. Okay. Plus she's old, so I'd have to do like old female Native American. I can only do young Native American. Just man. speak like the Native Americans that were in the show Bonanza. <laughs> I don't know Bonanza. <laughs> you don't remember Bonanza. But she says that nobody ever be uh, nobody ever deserves to be injured ever. What about like Bin Laden? <laughs> Yeah, he deserves a good uh, what about decapitation. Custer? What about Custer? In yeah. His last stand. He, he got fucked up. The Indians <laughs> seemed pretty happy about that. Spazzato actually didn't die. He's in critical condition at some fucking hospital in Atlanta. Uh, his roommate, and here we go with the second Native American name, Ira J. Baskin, who's 66, was in custody. So Ira's a Native American name like Ira yeah, but I've, I've, I've heard I, I've heard Ira is a Jewish name, too. Well, there you go. I knew an Ira Goldstein. Maybe he's a Jewish Native American guy. Or maybe he's a Jewish guy that doesn't like Native Americans. He's a Jewish cowboy. That could be, but I think there's probably more Jewish Indians than Jewish cowboys. I've never met a Jewish Native American. Um, They run a fucking awesome casino, though. Those books are clean, <laughs> and they're making fucking bank. Chief Hyman Buffalo Bird. <laughs> Buffalo Burger. Did he invent the Buffalo Burger? I don't know. <laughs> another, Buffalo Bergstein. Another neighbor, uh, Kathy McLeod. That's kind of a Scottish, but could also be Native American name. Sixty-two. I, I just don't see this whole Native American. Is, there, in here is right. there a big Native American community in Atlanta, Georgia? No, they don't even have any there, do they? I think. I don't know. So you're basing this all on the surname of that woman. No, it was based on her her direct, straightforward statement with very short words, which is how Native Americans talk. That is true. That I, as I've been, uh, you know, led to believe. Me like them firewater. <laughs> exactly. Me she, scared of thunderstick. This other McLeod woman, who's 62, tried to stop the attack and receive superficial cuts, meaning like little scrapes on her arm and shit. Martin Del Pesh. <laughs> Which is another very misleading name. Martin, I just don't find I don't I find it hard to believe that that guy would be Native American. I only did this article because of the confusion about all these names and quotes that amuse me. <laughs> and listen to this: Martin Del Pesh is thirty-eight, and he's a neighbor. Why is this guy who's not even forty years old living in the retirement community? I don't even understand that at all. <laughs> <laughs> he ran to the building when is he their drug dealer, or he lives with his grandma. That could be. He ran to the building when a friend told him his neighbor, uh, what's this guy's name? I don't remember. Frank Spazzato was being attacked uh, and was on the ground and covered in blood. Uh, he ran up, uh, called 911. Some ambulance and nurses came where they uh, started treating the guy. And uh, Frank Spazzato's uh, roommate, Ira, was still hanging around at that point. <laughs> his, shirt, his shirt was drenched in blood. Ira was so wait, the guy that just stabbed Frank is just hanging out with everybody? Yeah, but he's 66 years old. It's like, what the fuck? I'm not he's running. He's not going to run very far. I'm not running and hiding in a dumpster. Fuck Can't this, run I'm very old. far with a walker. His shirt was drenched in blood, and he was standing there like nothing ever happened, Del Pesh said. Which I think Del Pesh is like a dot Indian name. Well, maybe. Quickie Mart Indian. Del Pesh, it sounds like that. Yeah, that would be like a Slurpee Indian. 
<laughs> they all asked him, why did you do it? And uh, Ira, who I still think is Native American, not Jewish. Do you want, what do you want? I'm Jewish, saying Jewish cowboy. Because I wanted to. Do. <laughs> I was taking out my problems and frustrations out on him. <laughs> he took my dreidel. Which I think is the most direct statement and reasoning and justification for murder that's ever been uttered on Sick and Wrong. So you think this I was- stabbed him because I was taking out my problems and frustrations on him. At least he's being blunt and honest. Blunt and honest. Yep. So this is kind of like Cocoon, that movie Cocoon meets Psycho. Maybe on Golden Pond meets the movie Scream. <laughs> or Bubba Hotep. Yeah, that's kind of like the same thing. Yeah. It, it meets its own movie. <laughs> it's just like that movie. But I kind of like that. Cocoon meets Psycho. Bunch of old people and uh, one Living Psycho in the, in the mix. Yep. And the young guy who's there, who's Steve Gutenberg for no reason. <laughs> With Steve Gutenberg and Bubba Hotep. He was a Cocoon. Oh. <laughs> Wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. I, I think he was. I've never really watched the movie. I'm not into old people. You just don't like Jews. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg's fucking amazing, okay? Did he invent the Gutenberger? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's all I have to say about this. Uh, I like the old codgers murdering each other. I think it's a good uh, change of pace. I like the Native Americans. I like the Native American Jews. <laughs> I like everything. I do like, you know, I'm giving that points for originality. I was going to give that two stars because, first of all, no one died. And for, and oh, even, he's going to die. I mean, within a couple of years, anyways, even if they stitch him up. But even good. if someone did die, they're a bunch of old people and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so that's why I was going to give it two stars. But you know what? Because the story was so original and that delivery was yeah. so adept. Right. I'm giving it 3.5. I feel that my streak is going to remain cold, but okay. <laughs> I give it 3.5 also. We'll see what the listening audience has to say Let's about that on. one. I think most of our audience probably has never even heard of the movie Cocoon. They're probably born at, you know, they're probably younger than the movie. On Golden Pond, they're never going to know about. <laughs> yeah, dude. I jerked off like five times watching that. <laughs> Their grandparents are probably like 20 years younger than the people in the story. <laughs> So our listener's submission here for episode 124 was sent in by Paul from Cleveland. I think it's been a while since we got an article submission from Ohio. He says, so would you call this General's Ho Chicken? So, you know, at first I read this email, I was like, I'm kind of confused. But after I actually read the story, uh, you'll understand his joke about General Ho's Chicken. Well, maybe you can tell it again at the end so we can all get the benefit. Okay. I'll I'll repeat that joke a little later. 16-year-old was chopped into pieces. This happened in uh, China. I don't quite remember the name of it. Oh, it happened right outside of Hong Kong. In a gruesome murder, a 16-year-old girl was chopped into pieces and her flesh stripped off and dumped at a local market where meat was sold. Police have charged a 24-year-old man with the murder of Wong Ka Mi, 16 years old, who was missing since last month. According to the paper... Wong had been taking drugs with a man who was a transport worker, Ting Kai Tai, at his apartment in Kowloon when she told him that she wanted to die. So what is the appropriate response to that? When you have a girl in your house, you, you know, obviously you're doing drugs with her. You probably solicited her for sex. And she's like, you know what? I just want to die. Uh, my response is, you know, get the fuck out. Uh, I don't need your downer bullshit emo emotional outbursts in my house that's my response. i have you here to have a good time and fuck me and um, you know i'll pay you money but if you say you want to die then beat it you know what i would do i would do 
what I would do to any emo kid that was in my house. I would tie the kid down, put some really loud headphones, ear earbuds, those earbuds, stick yeah. them into his ear, and put on the B-52s, shiny, happy people, as loud as it could go. In fact, I'd put on an entire B-52s Greatest Hits record. That's a fitting punishment. Yeah, and then be like, after you listen to this for 72 hours, we'll see how emo you are. You know, I don't... I don't. I'm reluctant to go on a tangent, but your sister called me like last week and asked me if I wanted to go see the B-52s because she had an extra ticket. Somebody <laughs> dropped out, and I was like, "What the fuck, dude? Why, why would so she offer me this is ticket?" She trying I don't, to, I don't is she trying to do this to me? Am I, have I been a little too mopey lately? You know, I kind of wonder if that's her plan to cure you <laughs> of what being an ass. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, you know, your negativity, your acerbic nature. I, I'm not sure. Well, I, I got I, a whole laundry list of faults here. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. You better watch out, dude. I told her to take those tickets and shove them right up her pussy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm kind of hurt that she never offered me the tickets. Police said that Ting chopped off, then chopped off Wong's head and limbs and stripped off her flesh. So I guess in China, when you ask someone if you want to die, you're going to get your head lopped off and your limbs, and you're going to be stripped of your flesh, some of which he flushed down the toilet. The rest of the flesh was dumped at Shek Kip Me Market, which contains a number of butcher shops. According to the Hong Kong newspaper, The Sun, the flesh was placed among the meat that had been discarded by butchers. However, this meat was sometimes collected to be turned into cooking fats and oils. And if, you know, I was thinking about this. I'm not a big fan of Chinese food. I probably have, you know, discussed my distaste for Chinese food in the past on this show. But <laughs> you don't know what you're getting, I think, is your That complaint. is my point. The reason I don't like Chinese food is because you don't know what you're eating. Dude, you could take, you know, a piece of this girl's flesh, you could fry it, wrap it in a wonton skin, and you'd eat it and it tastes like all the rest of the food. So somebody could a serve a grayish meat. Somebody could serve that to you and say like it's a exotic shrimp. Because or you eat shrimp. Yeah, or you could say it's and like you just some down, kind of like put it down the hatch, soy sauce on it. Weird Chinese butterfish. I mean, how are you supposed to know? Is there a butterfish? I don't know. But you know, it, it sounds like a butterfish. Very good. Yeah, try some. It's like a deep fried butterfish. Right. I mean, you'd have no idea, and then, then you'd have it. You're totally correct. That's why I don't like Chinese food. So after dumping Wong's flesh at the market, Ting then uh, weighed down her head and limbs with bricks and threw them off the Kowloon City Pier into the bay. How do you weigh down somebody's head with a brick? You tape it to their head? Or maybe shove it in his mouth. What's interesting to me is the guy's obviously done this before. How would you know how to do that? It's like, you know, you get a girl in your house. She's like, I want to die. Oh, yeah, you want to die? A half a second later, a giant samurai sword comes out and chops her head off. No time for a burst. I'm going to go down to the butcher shop. Hey, how's it going there, guys? Uh, according to the uh, newspaper here, Wong arrived at Ting's apartment after he hired her over the internet. Uh, she, apparently, she's a prostitute. So wait a minute. They have the internet and flush toilets in China. Yeah, you know, that kind Who of surprised knew? me. The <laughs> Olympics are really bringing that country into the 20th century. <laughs> it leaps and bounds to where it was two years yeah. ago. Uh, Wong's sister and mother doubted she was dead and did not believe she'd become a prostitute. Uh, Ting has been charged with the murder and has faced court, but the case has been adjourned. And that's all they say. They don't actually say what happened to the guy. They don't discuss his sentence. They found him, he went to court, and that's it. That's all they're going to say about it. So, so what happens to the man? I don't understand the Chinese judicial process here. So when you're convicted of murder over there, what do they do? Uh, they, harvest you just disappear? Your, they harvest your organs and sell them to A, the U.S. medical establishment, and B, 
U.S. Chinese food restaurants. I think they cook you into fortune cookies. That's what they do. You're like hardened into that cookie dough. Uh huh. So then... what does the fortune say? You just ate some guy's spleen. <laughs> Congratulations. That's when you puke. So on the uh, sick and wrong star scale, this girl's head. Even though she didn't want to die. Well, that's what. Th- who whose word are we taking on this? That guy, the guy who killed her. I don't know. He's I, the only witness to this statement. I'd like to believe that this girl was an emo kid. Right. But, you know, maybe not. It, the fact that this guy's saying, well, no, she told me she wanted to die. That's do why they, I lopped her head off. Do they have dark black <laughs> maybe mascara? Maybe that's a defense in China. <laughs> in addition to the, the internet and flush toilets, do they have dark black eyeshadow in, in China? I don't think you're allowed to be emo in China. No, neither do I. So I think this is bull. I think he just murdered her outright. And he flayed her flesh. And you know what? I'm giving it... Since he did put the meat in with uh, with at the butcher shop, I'm giving this five stars. <laughs> I might be generous, but uh, dude, I mean, he flayed the girl, chopped her head off, and put the meat. So other people were eating this girl's flesh. Okay, I'll give it five. You probably ate this flesh. When's the last time you had Chinese food? Uh, like a week ago. Okay, and did you have it in Chinatown? Uh, n- well, uh, Oakland Chinatown. Which okay, is actually, same thing. Yeah. It's probably, it might it's even be worse. You were probably eating dead Chinese prostitute. It tasted good at the time. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. There were no pubes in it. It was thoroughly cleaned. God, this tastes like herpes. <laughs> so uh, now you understand the uh, nature of Paul's joke here, the meaning here. So would you call this General's Ho Chicken instead of General's So Chicken? Got it. Got it? Yeah. Works on so many levels. Very many. So we'll see what the listening audience has to Mostly say about that. Level. You can decide who won episode 124 of Sick and Wrong. Go vote at sickwrongpodcast.com. Well, this is Jim Rose of the Jim Rose Circus. And uh, before I put my face in broken glass and let somebody stomp on the back of my head... I have to listen to Sick and Wrong. Wackily, we're nearing the end of the show, and as usual, we get to uh, phone calls and listener email. People, you can call the Sick and Wrong drunk dial line at 206-666-3846. I know we received a few calls. Vietnam dude called in, a couple other people, so... uh, yeah, without further ado, let's uh, play the first one here. Is, is this Vietnam, dude? No, this is Gary from Minnesota. Oh, okay. Yo, D, Lance, sick and wrong community fans. Trucker Paul, that Vietnam guy. Hey, I'm going to do something to top you guys. But Bob Madigan, I'd love to hear him as a guest on the show. And hopefully he comes up next here on Sick and Wrong. But uh, congratulations, Bob Madigan. I'd like to take this opportunity to congratulate you on your sobriety. I uh, personally, as Gary from Minnesota, I quit smoking for 65 days, and uh, I'm doing pretty good. But uh, since you're sober, Bob, I'm sitting there drinking a beer. Man, geez, feel kind of guilty. But uh, in honor of Bob Madigan on the sober binge, I'm going to take this bong hit for you. It's all good. As long as you quit smoking cigarettes and move on to weed, it's kind of easier. Kind of sounds like Bob. Anyways, that one's for Bob Madigan. Keep the sickness, motherfuckers. I like the authentic bong water bubbling noise. (laughs) You can't fake that. 
You know, it's you know, I think Bob would be honored by that. In fact, didn't he kind of sound a little bit like Bob? Once he had the bong rip in his lungs, yeah. You know what's kind of funny? Old Bob. You know what's not funny? New Bob. But you know what's funny though is uh, Bob Madigan doesn't drink anymore, and we're proud of him for that. But he still smokes weed. Yeah, well, weed. You know, it's a nature's gift. It's not really. It's such a toxic substance, or so I hear. Yeah, but I love how people don't smoke cigarettes anymore, but yet they still just smoke massive amounts of marijuana. <laughs> I don't know if that's a legitimate uh, substitution. I think it's still just as bad for you. Yeah, if not worse. I mean, there's no filter. I guess the carcinogens aren't there. That's what the bong is for, dude. The water filters out the badness. I forgot. <laughs> so I've heard. I forgot, bro. <laughs> well, thanks, Gary. I'm sure uh, Bob would be impressed with that. All right, here comes Vietnam guy. You know, that guy uh, sounds like a faggot. Like I said, there's only two options. And I sent you the facts. Did you get it? They told me to send you a fax, so I sent you a fucking fax. Hey, man, I'm not crazy. I'm just on vacation. Hey, and B, Brackley, I got to ask you something. You said that you didn't like the fucking, uh, what's that group, uh, Grateful Dead. I never got it either, and I did LSD. You said you liked the Doors. That's cool, man. The Doors are the best, best uh, rock room. There's a group that's uh, peanut butter and jelly. But last week when you were talking about that uh, air supply, hey, I downloaded one of them albums. Hey, what are you guys, like, gay? That's that's like chick music, man. That, you know what, uh, a little bit fucked up because, once again, it is Margarita Tuesday. And uh, some people do tell me how to drink more because I'm a little bit happier when I drink more. But, hey, I only can drink one day a week. It's uh, pretty good, and uh, I'm pretty fucked up. And the only uh, one crazy person in the place at a time. And I'll tell you what, also, too, people around the fucking counters, these service individuals, what do they think? That's a bulletproof counter? Hey, some of these assholes, one of these days I'm going to grab across that fucking counter and slap the fucking motherfucker across the next fucking week. Hey, uh, you guys got a really good program. It's uh, sick and wrong, and I really enjoy it. <laughs> Uh, take care, okay? I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. What, what was he talking about at the end there? What counter? Service counters. <laughs> so wait, was he at like an Arby's or something? Either an Arby's or maybe he was trying to take back some electronics at Circuit City and trying to deal with the, the returns manager. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of really picture know. Vietnam dude being like uh, the Bukowski character in Barfly, always picking fights with the bartender. That uh, seems about an adequate description for me. Do you think Vietnam dude knows how to use a fax machine? Do we even have a fax <laughs> number? He sent a fax to somebody. I'm I never, sure they were very surprised at it, but it wasn't us. I never received a fax from the Vietnam dude. We don't have a fax. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't have a fax. But Vietnam dude, you're missing the point of what we said last week. We want to hear some wartime stories. So give us a call. And tell us some Vietnam stories, like uh, how many dudes did you kill? Did you ever keep any trophies? Do you have, like, an ear necklace? We maybe want to hear about this. Yeah, but I think maybe this is a sensitive topic for him. When he's, maybe he's warming up to it. I don't know. Dude, do you read the comments the guy leaves on the forum page? <laughs> he's looking for dead people. He's dead looking for dead pictures. people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's that sensitive. So, Vietnam, dude, give us a call next week and uh, tell us about your ear necklace. So, who else do we have here? Hey, Sick and Wrong is Boris from New Hampshire. Just been listening to the shows about uh, earning your Red Wings. And don't get me wrong, I've uh, earned my Red Wings a couple of time, but, times, but I just, I just find, can't, can't stop thinking about how you guys would rather do it on some random first-time whore than uh, someone you've been with for a while and know where they've been. And I, I guess it fits the personality of sick and wrong but it baffles my mind uh, i guess 
keep it sick, keep it wrong, um, keep earning your red wings with sick, disgusting whores who probably have all sorts of sick, disgusting diseases running through their sick, disgusting vaginal secretions of blood and goop and all that great stuff. I guess you like to slurp down. Anyways, keep it sick, keep it wrong. Talk to you later. Bye. (laughs) So does Boris here think that we like to earn our Red Wings, like we're doing this on purpose? Yeah, he does. He, it seems like he assumes that we go out in search of it. But uh... So wait, we, we're, so we're going out in search of a girl, you know, who's menstruating just so we can eat her out. Like it gets us off. Right, but that's not the truth. Earning your Red Wings, are, or maybe you've already earned them, but getting them again is something that happens on accident. Yeah, it's a drunken mishap. And the only reason it ever happened... I, see, I've only earned my Red Wings... You know, I've only earned my Red Wings twice. And the first time was a drunken mishap with, yeah, some whore that I hooked up with. And, you know, I didn't even know what I was doing. And usually I don't eat, you know, usually I don't eat out a girl the first time I ever hook up with her. There's no oral sex usually. No, you stay above the equator. I stay above the equator the first time. But that time I was wasted. I didn't care. And, yeah, you know, I did earn my Red Wings inadvertently that night. But I don't go out, you know, trying to earn my my red wings and let alone with my girlfriend. Yeah. The point being that, you know, when your girlfriend's on the rag and you just don't do that, you know, it's, <laughs> that's it, why you don't earn your red wings or, or participate in the red wings activity but it sounds like, with your girlfriend. Cause you know what's going on, but it sounds like Boris is like pulling out that blood clotted tampon and just kind of chewing on it being like, Hey guys, I earned my red wings last night. As long as it's his steady girlfriend. Yeah, as long as your girlfriend, that's not gross. He's down with it. Dude, it's gross regardless. You earn your red wings because it's an accident. Right. That That's, that's the true point. Now, uh, the last call here, I think, came from um, an, that same dude who called last week talking about that sex move that he coined. The butt-nut rebound. The butt-nut rebound, which I think we, we expounded on the fact that he misinterpreted the meaning behind those misogynistic sex moves. Right. So I thought he learned his lesson, but uh, why don't you be a judge of that? Hey there, Lancelot and Whacker Balls. This is Dead Sexy from Jersey. It's the same uh, person. Calling in. You are right. You're right about that uh, butt nut rebound. I thought that, you know, it's kind of making my girlfriend feel like crap. But yeah, I guess it's me. I look like an idiot because she's busting farts and nuts on my face. So I thought of something else. Um, but this probably has to be done with a grandma. And the, na- the name of this sex act is called the Babushka Hat. Um, now the thing is, you, you need an older lady, probably a grandma, like an, in her 80s, who's a slut. And what you need her to do is, I need you, there's some visualization here. So, imagine you're banging her behind, right? You, uh, you got her from the backside, you're banging her, and she's kind of, you know, like a right angle. She's holding on to, let's say, a chair or something, and you're banging, and you're holding on to her hips. Now try to imagine, uh, putting something on her back, like a, I don't know, like a jar of pickles, because I like to put things on women's back when I bang so let's just say you have a thing of mayo. Mayo is good. Uh, when you, and while you're doing her, you take a glop of mayo and you put it all over your head, okay? All over. Get it all over your face, okay? Just keep it out of your eyes. And uh, while you're banging her, um, really, you've got to do this quick. So try to imagine you're banging her. You're holding her by your hips. Now you step back about uh, two feet, three feet with your feet, but you're still holding on to her uh, her hips. So I want you to step back all the way so that your head is right behind her ass. And then I want you to count to three, 
okay? And then as hard as you can, I need you to jam your head right into her ass. Now, if you do it right and you do it hard, your your skull should penetrate her butt, and it go, it'll go right up to you about your eyebrows. That's what eyebrows are good for. It'll, it'll, it's a good marker for how far your uh, ass, has to, your head has to go inside her ass. And what you do is you really quickly you lift her up, and you bounce her on her head, and she'll just be like, what's going on? You know? And uh, what you need to do is, this, this takes finesse. Uh, I have some Russian in my blood, so I can do it. We do the Russian dance. What you do is you kind of do the, you know, you come down on one foot, one foot out, and you do the Russian dance. Hi-ya, 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 hi-ya. Oh, man. Old chicks, they love that stuff. I got to go. Bye. Okay. All right. All right. I don't like to deride our fans here on the show. I love everybody that listens to our show, and I'm grateful that people take the time to download the podcast and listen to us spout off our bullshit for an hour, an hour and a half. But this guy, this guy right here is too dense to understand the purpose of the misogynistic sex moves like the Dirty Sanchez and the Donkey Punch, etc. Yeah, I wouldn't call it derision. I think it's more... He requires guidance. <laughs> but, dude, he doesn't understand the meaning of these ridiculous sex moves. These sex moves were designed by misogynistic pricks who never get laid to humiliate the woman. So, for example, or, or to injure the woman. He, the, the reason they do this is to get high fives from their bros afterwards. Right. As Wankerly said before, there's a high five test involved with these sex moves. How does it work, Rackerly? It's kind of a thought experiment, kind of a screening. If you think you have a good sex move, here's how, here's how you test it in your own head before you look foolish in front of the entire Sick and Wrong studio and audience. Imagine yourself doing the sex move and your bro bras, your bros and your bras, are all standing around. After you pull off the sex move, are they going to give you a disapproving look and say something like, bro. 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 Not cool, bro. Not cool, bro. Or do you think they're going to give you a high five and be like, bro, yeah. Exactly, dude. So so, so name name a legitimate uh, okay, sex move. So, so the Dirty Sanchez. Everyone knows what the Dirty Sanchez is. You jam your finger in the girl's anus, and then you wipe a shit-stained mustache across her upper lip. You do that, you tell your buddies about her if they get to see it because you're in a frat house and they probably have a camera on you and they probably recorded it so they can put it up on YouTube or break.com or something. Guaranteed high five. Guaranteed high five. The angry dragon. You know the angry dragon? <laughs> no, it's, you have to describe that one too. The me. angry dragon is when you're getting a blowjob and you come in the girl's mouth and then you kick her in the stomach forcefully so she you know, um, burps up the semen and it comes through her nose. Yeah. Because she's like a dragon spitting out semen from her nose. Like an Asian dragon. Exactly. Your bros are going to give you a high five because you humiliated and degraded this woman. Or one of my personal favorites is the Abraham Lincoln. You ever heard of that one? That's a new one to me. It's uh, when you save your pubic hair for a good eight months, you save up a big ball of pubic You're hair. You're trimming it off, saving it in a saving jar. Saving it in a big jar. And you blow your load in the girl's face, and you throw the big ball of pubic hair in her face so it looks like Abraham Lincoln's beard. (laughs) Your bros are going to give you two high fives for that one. Because what you did is you humiliated and degraded this poor woman. Now, on the flip side, if you're having sex with your girlfriend, who maybe is hot and would deserve a high five just for having sex with a hot chick, 
But at the same time, you're doing her anally and you blow your load in her ass. Then you put your face down there and she farts your own semen back all over your face. Your bros are not going to be down with no, that. No, they're going to be like, no high five. Dude, bro. And now what not you, cool. And what do you suppose is going to happen when your bros see you having sex with an 80 year old woman? And then you shoving your head in her vagina and wearing her like a hat. Now, is that a high five moment? No, <laughs> it isn't. They're going to be like, bro, what the fuck is wrong with you? So you're run, out of the frat. Run your idea before you definitely before you uh, actually tr- attempt any of these sexual or maneuvers, before you call the sick and wrong hotline with another one, one of these asinine maneuvers. Think about what we just said and come up with something that will humiliate and degrade a woman. Like these misogynistic imaginary sex moves are supposed to be. And get you a high five. And get you a high five test. But anyway, uh, thank you for calling in to the Sick and Wrong Hotline. Give us a call, 206-666-3846. We'll play almost anything. Unless you don't understand the meaning of the uh, misogynistic sex moves. (laughs) (laughs) So people, if you haven't already, go check out the Sick and Wrong forum. Can't hype it enough. There's been a lot of activity as of recent. I don't know if you saw the, uh, someone wrote this really long narrative, uh, this dude, about hooking up with some skank that he met at the bar who he ended up fucking in the ass with no condom. And so he writes this big, long, like, five-paragraph story. Yeah. And at the end, he's like, so do you think I should be worried about diseases? <laughs> Wasn't his roommate also involved in this? Wasn't there a little bit of finger cuffing or, or yeah? I think there was action? like a finger cuff thing going on. I think he pulled out an Abraham Lincoln. You know, I, I don't know. I think his roommate fucked her in the it ass. It was the longest form. She farted I've out ever the seen. semen in his face. You know, I, yeah, I don't know, but it was a really long posting. But there's things like that on the forum page, and you get to chime in and uh, and answer these people's questions. So so go check it out. We also had a lot of newbies sign up on the forum, so uh, people post. Don't be shy. I don't think anyone's going to uh, traumatize you that bad. No, there's no judgment. Yeah, it's the internet. No one judges on <laughs> the internet. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody will judge you. I'd like to thank everyone for leaving uh, the recent comments on our iTunes page. We have over 30 now, and people are just keep leaving us comments, so just keep on doing that. We enjoy that. And also give us a vote on Podcast Alley if you haven't already. A couple people were asking if I'm going to redesign the Black, Sick, and Wrong t-shirt. And uh, you know what? I think I might. I might redesign the Black, Sick, and Wrong t-shirt just so it has a Sick and Wrong logo on it. I think you should. I think we should rake in more money from the t-shirts. Yeah, so go check out cafepress.com slash sickandwrong because I'm going to uh, be redesigning that shirt so I can send one to Trucker Paul. Finally here, we're going to end the show. I want to... Uh, dedicate this next song to the to the uh, Vietnam dude because he is a true Doors fan. You know that's the doesn't Bruce... like air supply very much though. I you know which I don't quite understand. I don't think he was actually sitting down, getting high, and listening to the meaning behind the songs, grooving on it, grooving to the soft rock favorites. You know, but anyway, uh, you know the Bruce McCullough song Doors fan. Yes, that applies to the Vietnam dude. He's a true Doors fan. So listen up. If you want to be a Doors fan, listen to the uh, meaning behind this song. We'll be back next week with episode 125. Hopefully we'll have my brother on that show because I know he uh, just got back from the International Mr. Leather competition. I don't know if he won or not, but uh, he was in the IML competition in Chicago. So uh, hopefully we'll get to hear about that next week. I'm looking forward to that. So until then, take a sleaze. Hey, man, listen up. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You know that new Depeche Mode album? It sucks. You know what? That new Cure album? It sucks. 
that new Happy Mondays album? I don't know if there is one, but if there is, it sucks. I can say this, because I know, because I'm a Doors fan. And you know, if you want to be a Doors fan, you know what? You might already be one, and you don't even know it. You know, sort of like being gay. You're walking around, you know, something's up. You just don't know what it is yet. You see, Doors fans aren't made. They're born. I bet right now, in Africa, there's some guy madly beating on a drum. He's one. Or an old lady on a bus, sucking humbugs. She's a rider on the storm, and she don't even know it. I do, because I'm a Doors fan. And if you want to be a Doors fan, don't just go buy a Greatest Hits album either. Greatest Hits albums are for housewives and little girls. If you want to be a Doors fan, you got to do it right. It's very scientific. you got to buy Waiting for the Sun. It's their third album, but really, it's their first. We call it The Departure Point. Okay, quick quiz. Who's playing bass? No bass. That's right. The Doors had no bass. You see, the Gypsies had no homes. Don't let that scare you. Let that free you. Let that liberate you. Because when you're free flying with the Doors, man, you don't need no safety net. If you just scream, Viva the Doors! Loud enough for your landlord to start thumping on the wall, then you might, in fact, be a Doors fan. There's one way to know for absolute sure. Get an eight-track tape of L.A. Woman, there's only a few in existence, and steal a car. Even if you own one, steal a car, get in that car, play the tape, full blast, and drive west. When the tape ends, get out and go to the nearest bar and start to play pool or pinball or possibly even foosball and wait to get into a fight. Afterwards, get back in that car and drive it till it runs out of gas. Then, torch it. And if, as you're standing there, watching those flames, if you can still hear the door sound, then my friend, you will have become a Doors fan. You want to know how I know? You want to know who told me? Last year, Jim fucking Morrison told me that too. He came to me, because I'm a Doors fan. 